0: Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey,
1: Daryl. We're back. It's another week. I've missed you guys. I want you to know that. Uh, and I say that with all sincerity, I know I always open up the same way and I always say I miss you and I always say you guys are the highlight of my week, but you truly are the highlight of my week. I, I just, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the therapy of talking with my tribe and just hanging out with you guys. I hope you feel the same way. If you don't, <laughs> go listen to a different podcast, what are you wasting your time with me for? But if you do and you're a regular, thank you so much. For those of you who have never listened to me before, my name is Daryl Prale, and you, my friend, are listening to the Inside, Inside Sales Show. And uh, it's the only show that I take a lot of pride in where we get into the meat and potatoes of, of how to get stuff done when it comes to sales, right? We talk about real tips. I, I frown upon vision and strategy. This shows for that. And you can do that. I want you to learn something. I want you to make more money. I want you to close more deals. I want you to have bigger pipeline. I want you to have a more pleasant experience as you're working through the sales process. That's what it's all about. And so as I do that, where do I get my inspiration from sometimes? Well, sometimes as you might imagine it's from a kick-ass book that just got released by a great author. Sometimes it's from. A topic I see on social media. Sometimes it's something I see on YouTube. And sometimes it's a, something I see at a show. Uh, it all varies, but I'll be candid. Most of the time, it comes from a conversation I have during the week with someone just like you in my role. I have budget, I have a 30, and I have a zillion sales conversations. And there is a zillion exponential more conversations that never take place because, uh, you know, the actual pitch, the outreach, the the opening line, the message on social, on meme, email, just absolutely suck bonkers. And suck bonkers is a Daryl term. You're welcome to use it. So for the ones that I do have a conversation in and they actually do a great job establishing their value and they intrigue me and they hook me and they speak to me as a marketer, my persona, and they understand the market I play in my, you know, typically your ideal customer profile. And they, they hook me and they say, yeah, I say, yeah, I think I need this. This will make my pain go away in this area over here. Tell me more. And in my mind, I'm already, you know, once you've got me, you will have me before you ever know you have me. If you don't know that. You will have me before you even know you have me, but I will not show you that. But in my mind, I'm already moving on to the next step. I'm already going on, you know, what's the cost of this? How do I get terms? How do I deploy this? Who's going to do it? Who do my team? What do I need for resources? Do I need additional bodies or additional services? And in my mind, I'm building the business case to make the acquisition. But the biggest business case aspect, whenever I make a purchase, is what am I going to pay? which is interesting, right? Because many people will say, listen, price should be irrelevant. If you've set the value, then the price is is a non-issue because clearly the value supersedes, overcomes, deals with the price issues and the price goes away. Well, that's just bullshit, guys. I want to tell you that it's just bullshit because in the end of the day, I still have to hand you money and that hurts and it comes out of my account. So for me, it's about me negotiating with you to get the absolute best price. And you need to understand a couple of things. When I do this, I'm gonna shoot straight with you. I'm not gonna play head games. Many people, many marketers especially, and many consumers are the same way, not everybody. And so your job is to figure out who I am. You know, How's my buying style? Do I negotiate? How do I negotiate? I give verbal signs, I'm like, I'm just shooting straight. You're gonna get it clean from me so we can get through the little dance, but not everybody's so fortunate and that bugs the crap out of you, I'm sure. For me, when I negotiate, I don't wanna hear your BS. I wanna be able to trust you. And here's the thing, I need something, I need a win. I need to be able to say, they asked for X, but I got it for X less Y. But it's not always dollars and cents. It's not you know, like they asked for a hundred bucks and I got it for 80 bucks. It's not that. Sometimes it's, I got it in terms. I got it on a bonus. Yeah, I paid full pop, but I got Ginsu knife and this kick-ass sham well to clean up you know, the spills on my work from home desk. Whatever it might be, that's what I need. I need to negotiate with you and feel good about it. So if you can make it feel good for me and like I'm getting good value, now I'm double pumped. And this is what you need to understand. I'm double pumped because I'm excited about your offering, what it is I'm getting from you, buying from you. And then I feel good about the purchase because you made me feel good. And here's, if you don't get this, when I feel good about both of those things, chances are when I need more stuff, more widgets, more Ginsu knives, more sham well, sham wells. I'm coming back to you because I want that experience again. I don't want to dick around with somebody who doesn't get me, doesn't get what I want, doesn't understand the relationship. So all of that is to say, as I'm fielding call after call after call every day, I want to help you learn how to negotiate better so people like me want to buy from you and then talk about you and spread the word about how awesome you are and then i can go and feel good about you and then i'm a rock star so i thought to myself who really gets negotiation and while there's many 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 people out there i'm going to bring it back we've all bought a car would you not agree and would you not agree that the process of buying a car can either be the best negotiating experience or the absolute pinnacle of the worst negotiating experience. It doesn't seem to be anything in between. So that's the market I want to go to. Who's the best negotiator? Who's the best sales trainer, the sales rock star as it relates to dealership sales? And that, my friend, is Tim Kins. Tim, welcome to the show. It's great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Ah, uh, now how you good. If you guys don't know Tim, Tim. Tim is pretty good. Tim reminds me of my brother-in-law. He's just laid back, tells it as it is, and smart as all can be. He's with the Kintz Group. You can check him out at kintsgroup.com. I love his Twitter handle, The Tim Kintz. If you're not sure to spell it because maybe you're listening to the audio only, it's K-I-N-T-Z. Or for those who are listening outside of the U.S., that's Z. So there we go. The Tim Kintz. Tim, you my friend if i understand you just launched a book in march called frictionless all about closing and negotiating with purpose did i get that right you did
2: we've got it right here it's badly needed in our industry kind of like you said that you know you go out and buy a car anybody that's ever bought a car has either had a good experience i'm not so sure how many great experiences people have uh or they've had horrible experiences right people rate buying a car in between getting sued and having a root canal at least if they have a root canal, they get free drugs out of it, right? So my mission is to turn these guys in dealerships, turn them into professional negotiators. I think you said this, that it's not always about the price. Wouldn't you agree that a good deal is a feeling? It's perception. It is. A good deal to you an and a good deal to me are two different things.
1: Yes. Right.
2: It's yes. But it, it, there's yeah. such yeah. a broad range of what a good deal is. And I think so often, especially in car dealerships, we think it's just a dollar amount, right? Because we're doing it every day and we think it's 500 below invoice or 500 over invoice. We start thinking that's a good deal. But, you know, sometimes the guy that grinds your teeth off that gets a screaming deal. They hate your guts and they don't feel good about the deal because it was a battle there was no wins there was no victories like you're talking about i truly think negotiating in the car business is a lost art because after the recession you know when the recession hit in eight hell we were just we were in survival mode we didn't even know if we we're going to have dealerships. You didn't want a FedEx truck to pull up because they were the ones delivering the letter saying, your dealership's been closed by the manufacturer. And we took any deal and we sold out of desperation and that never recovered. And we were blessed that the industry and the economy was booming. More people were buying cars than we were actually selling cars. It's there if you're good, but so often people are afraid, afraid to negotiate on both sides of the table.
1: I guess the one thing I would, you know, by no means am I, have I ever sold cars? You know, I bought, but not sold, but I would think, and maybe I'm wrong. You tell me, is that an industry where you probably get the broadest diversity of people, whether they be different income levels, different credit scores, different cultural backgrounds. I, I almost can't imagine an industry that gets exposed to, or needs to be equipped with more tools to effectively negotiate because not everybody wants to negotiate the same way.
2: Absolutely. It's like I said, you've got people with 800 credit scores. You got people with 400 credit scores. You got people that are writing a check for it and people that are just budget focused. You've got $100,000 cars and $5,000 cars we're negotiating on. And you have to be able to pivot as a salesperson from customer to customer. Every couple hours, when you're talking to more people, man, you have to pivot to that right mindset depending on what the customer's hot buttons are. And, you know, really, I think it it just goes back to we're not in a car business, man. We're in a people business. And negotiating isn't just a car business thing. We've been negotiating forever. For since the beginning of man, I'm guessing they were negotiating rocks and caves and food. But, it's just understanding what to do. You know, I think the fear comes from lack of knowledge, lack of skill. I think there's such little training out there, even in real estate industry. My wife's in real estate and man, all they do is present offers, but there's very little negotiating going back and forth. You know, I talk about the golden rules of negotiating and they really apply to any industry that has to negotiate something. And, you know, you said something so, else about emotions. Go ahead. You know, you were, yeah. when you go out to get a car, you're excited about getting that car right on your way there. You're thinking, man, do we want the black one with the grain tier? Do we want black on black? Do we want to get the sunroof? Do we want to get the panoramic? And you're excited. And so often you walk on a lot and salespeople's first thing is, so how much are you looking to spend a month? How much down do you have? And they force you to become logical when you're emotional and excited about getting that car. And emotion is what happens all the way up to the negotiation negotiating is logical, right? That's the logical part of the deal, but you have to be able to leverage the emotions to get the most out of the logic when you sit down and negotiate.
1: I said, I, where do I want to go with this? I know I, I want to talk to you. One of the things that uh, Tim talks about in his book, guys, is he talks about the five golden rules of negotiating, and he actually referenced it already and covered that off today. You know, we're on this emotional conversation and what resonated for me when you said that was, you know, yeah, you're right. I'm the buyer. I'm emotional. I'm excited. And the first thing you want to do is bring in logic. You know, what's your budget? We all ask that. What's your budget question? And it takes me right. out of the moment. Is that a skill that can be taught? You know, Because I often have a conversation about empathy. You know, I think I can teach you empathy a little bit, but I don't think I can teach somebody who's not naturally inclined to be empathetic, to be a natural empath. So is this something you can train out of sales reps to understand if there's an excitement and energy and emotion there to not suck the life out of the room by going right to the numbers, even though that's obviously where they want to get to? You tell me.
2: Hell yeah, new guys do it all the time. New guy starts selling cars, doesn't know anything about anything. Customer walks on the lot, they just figure you're there to buy the car. And hell, the new guy gets you on a demo, you go for a drive, they get you excited, they drive it because they want to drive the car. And they get you inside and the first time numbers are ever talked because if customer says, well, what are payments run? I don't know. What are interest rates? I don't know. What kind of discount can I get? I don't know, but I'll find out. Let's take it for a spin. And they get their emotions high. So now when I'm sitting down to start negotiating with that customer, that customer wants that car more than I want to sell it to them. I have them, as I always say, licking the paint off of the car. And what happens is we get smart. The longer we do this, the smarter we get. And we start having a mindset as salespeople of, I don't want to go through the trouble unless I have a buyer. Okay, instead of going through their trouble to make them a buyer, we don't want to go through their trouble unless they're a real buyer. Are you kidding me? They packed up their family, drove 30 minutes to get to your dealership on their day off. They're real, they want to buy. Now, every customer's nervous. I don't care who you are, you walk on the lot, you're nervous about spending the money even though you walked on the lot with intention to spend the money. And your guard is up, because you're a car salesperson. Of course, I don't trust you. But if I can lower your guard, if I can make it about you, if I can put a pattern interrupt and start talking about your car and what you like best about your car and empower you to tell me what's important in the car, because price really doesn't matter if you don't like the car. I mean, ultimately you're not gonna buy it if you hate the car. So if I can empower you, find out about you, make it about your car, Then the guard's gonna come down. You become open-minded. So at least you're gonna listen to what I have to say when I'm showing you the car I think's right for you. Then you're gonna be confident in me if I made my presentation all about you and created mental ownership before physical or financial ownership. Then when we sit down and negotiate, you're gonna trust me. But so often people say the negotiation, it was a grind. The last 15 minutes of the car deal was a grind. The problem wasn't the last 15 minutes of the deal. It was the first 15 minutes. Because you never lowered that guard. You never leveraged emotion. You never made it about the customer. So, therefore, they weren't open minded. They're not confident and they don't trust you. And I don't care what you're selling. Trust is the ultimate goal. But, you know, it's simple. Is trust given or is it earned?
1: Oh, man. How many times trust? You do have to earn it. I agree. How many times have we talked on this show where we have said, you know, when you're talking about objections, whether it be in price or features or functions or whatever it might be, it's because you didn't set the value up front. I'm just going to paraphrase what Tim just said. He said, let's park the negotiation, the young guys, right? Let's park the negotiation for a little bit. I don't know what the prices or the interest rates are or the payments. I, I don't know. You know, let's just go and let's inexperience it. Let's have value. And along the way, you're going to ask, you know, oh, do you want a sports car? Or do you not want a sports car? Why is cargo space important to you? It's all about establishing the value. And then if you do that, you're getting them invested. And now it's not just values established, but there's an emotion process too. And now we can approach the negotiation process from our own respective desires. Right? So, you know, Tim's going to want a good price. I'm sorry, he's going to want the most, you know, margin and profit, but you're going to want a good price, but you want the car. So, you're both invested in the conversation. You both want an outcome. I love that. Okay, we got to go for a break. When we come back. We're going to go rapid fire through Tim's five golden rules of negotiating. And what you should do while we're on the break, if you're out of computer, you don't want to listen to the commercial, is go and check out his book, Frictionless Closing and Negotiating with Purpose. We shall be right back.
3: CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time, make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing-qualified leads into sales-qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more. Blow your quota out of the water. How? By ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at vanillasoft.com. Okay, so one of the
1: things we didn't tell you before we went to commercial, uh, we told you about the book, but we didn't tell you, there's lots of ways you can buy it in some ways, speaking of negotiating in price, are actually more affordable for you than other ways. Tim, before we get into the five golden rules of negotiation, how can I get the book?
2: If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can go to Amazon Prime and get it there. You can get the hard copy or you can get the Kindle version. And if you want 50% off, you can go to kintsgroup.com, go to the shop in there, type in sharpen axe in the discount code, and you'll get 50% off. So, either way, man, That's- it's there for you. And uh, there's a bunch of negotiating downloads and closing downloads, there's a bunch of resources for them there. So,
1: I love it. 50% off. How's that for negotiating out of the gate? All right. Speaking of five golden (laughs) rules of negotiation, we're going to go rapid fire here. We have five. First one you talk about is negotiation. Uh, You talk about, is it optional? So talk to me about that
2: negotiation is optional as we all that we kind of joke around about it in the car business but stickers quicker just write me a check right the guy that I don't want to negotiate great stickers quicker write me a check but the reality is if I build enough value and and get you wanting to buy that car more than I want to sell it then I have to assume that our product is fairly priced and I think so often that we think right out of the gate that we have to negotiate with everybody and that tells me if you think you have to negotiate then you don't see the value in your product so how the hell can you ask for all the money if you don't see the value in the product because a good deal is perception it's a feeling and gross profit are not dirty words and there's nothing wrong with it if you deliver the service to the customer but you have to convince yourself that negotiating is optional and there's nothing wrong with you making money when you sell a car or any product for that matter
1: i wonder how many reps are just conditioned that they just expect there's gonna be a negotiation that is not optional. So it's just part of the sales cycle. So if that's the case, if you're telling me it is optional, is there a tactic you can suggest on how to perhaps even avoid negotiating altogether?
2: Well, most of the time with cars, it's a budget decision anyway. It's very few customers are writing a check for it. So if I can make it a budget focused negotiation, if I can figure out how to fit this vehicle in the customer's budget, look at it this way. If they had 20 Ferraris sitting out there and they were 199 a month, what do you think is gonna to happen to all those Ferraris?
1: <laughs> I'm gonna
2: sell the hell out of them. They're not gonna have them. They're not buying, it. the price is still whatever, 200, $300,000, but it's the payment. Right. It's a budget. And if I can afford the payment, then I'm going to buy it. So and I'm not saying that's not boilerplate with everybody, but you have to have that belief going in that it's fairly priced. And the reality is most customers, if I can fit it in their budget and they feel like they're getting a good deal and we're going to take care of after the sales. Well, then that has to be my belief. Now, I have to be ready to negotiate, but it's
1: having no fear. Golden rule number one, negotiation is optional. You don't have to do it. I love it. Number two, you talk about how that you should negotiate out of inspiration and not desperation. I love that. Can you explain what it means though?
2: In the car business, for sure. I think we're more afraid of losing a car deal than we are inspired to make it. I can't tell you how many times I hear, yeah, but I can't ask that. I can't say it to a customer, it may not work. Yeah, but it might work. You have no idea. It's stop being afraid of losing a deal and start being inspired to make the deal. You know what uh, John F. Kennedy, never negotiate out of fear, but never fear to negotiate. As soon as you have fear, as soon as you're afraid you're gonna lose this car deal, then that customer has the advantage throughout the whole thing. And stop being afraid of losing it, be inspired to make it. Look, there's nothing wrong with going and asking for all the money. That's golden rule number one. But when you go in there, you can't let that fear. What does fear stand for? False evidence appearing real. Do what you fear and you'll conquer fear. But that circles back to not having the skills to be able to handle any objection that comes up within that negotiation or from trusting what you did early in the sale. People that are afraid to negotiate. Ultimately, it's because they didn't earn the right to negotiate with this customer. They hadn't built the value. They didn't earn that trust with the customer. And that's when fear typically kicks in.
1: I love, I love your quotes and your acronyms. The one thing I'll share is that when I ran sales multiple times and I have my own agency, once I got over in my mind that I could walk away from a deal, you know and i gave myself permission to walk away from the deal and i knew that i was gonna have to work and have a steady pipeline of flow and that a certain percentage of those deals i would walk away from because i couldn't come to agreement on a price it was much easier to negotiate because i had that freedom and it also inspired me to structure a deal so i didn't lose it the structure of negotiation. Again, it could be payment terms, it could be freebies, it could be bonus stuff. I don't know. But let's think outside the box. It doesn't always have to be on the terms the customer suggests, or even the terms that your boss might suggest. Be inspired as opposed to desperate. What a dramatic difference. Okay, number three. (laughs) I love this. I'm paraphrasing here. So correct me, Tim, if I get it wrong. Whoever cares the least wins. I got it, you know, help me understand that one. Or maybe that's what I just said. Yeah.
2: Whoever cares least in a negotiation wins. Meaning that customer needs to want to buy your car or even your house. It doesn't matter what you're selling. They need to want your product more than you want to sell the product. It's not that you don't want to, But when they want that product more than you want to sell it, that's when you win. And technically, it's really whoever appears to care least about the deal wins. And it circles right back, though, to the first 45 minutes or so that you spent building value with that customer. Right. Did you do your job? It's. You know, it's kind of like real estate. If you have been with a really good real estate agent, you know, they'll walk through the house and you'll have your kids and they'll be talking about how your furniture's gonna fit in and the curtains you're gonna have to get. And you're already going on overstock.com looking for some new furniture. The kids are picking out their rooms and what color they're gonna paint the walls. And when you walk out of that house, when you had a really good real estate agent, you've already mentally moved your furniture into that house. And you haven't even made an offer on that damn house yet and it's because you now want that house more than technically they want to sell it at this point because you've mentally moved your furniture in It's the same thing in a car business. When when a customer comes in, I need to paint that vehicle into their life to the point that they can't imagine not having that vehicle because it's exactly what their needs are, what their hot buttons are, right? What their compelling reasons are on why they need a new vehicle. They came in, they had a blank canvas, we painted their life on that canvas and my job is to paint my car into their canvas of their life so they can't see themselves not owning it. Ultimately, whoever appears to care least wins. And if you're desperate, they can smell it on you. If you have the fire sale mentality, please buy, I'm one unit away from my goal. They're not buying a car from you because you're one unit away from your goal. And yeah, you might've sold it to the customer because they said that, but they didn't buy it because you were one unit away from your goal. They negotiated out a position of strength Because you had the beggar's mindset and you negotiated out of position of weakness because it always comes down to whoever is willing to walk away is going to get the best deal.
1: Okay. We're down to 30 seconds each in the last two. We're tight on time here. Whoever starts the negotiation has the advantage. That's almost counterintuitive. Help me understand that.
2: Whoever starts a negotiation has the advantage. I don't want to ask the customer what they wanna pay. They're just gonna dumb me down. They're gonna lowball me and get my thinking down and get my attitude down. When I'm negotiating, I wanna start the numbers because every time I come down on my numbers, the customer wins. But if I let them start the negotiation and I grind them up, every time I grind them up, every time I bump them, it's a loss. So always start the figures, always start the negotiation and you're gonna win more negotiations.
1: That's brilliant. Last but not least, we, you talk about removable objections. So what do you mean by that?
2: Yes, that goes. that's negotiating 101. You add things in that you can afford to take out. You were talking about it before. It's, I'm going out there, I may show you 48 months with 20% down because I think that's the best way to get your new vehicle. To me, that's the best way to get it. It may not be your way you're gonna get it, but now I can always go to 60 months, to 72 months. I can always reduce it to 10% or 5% down. You add things in, you can take out. Me and my wife buy rental houses and I'll always throw things in. Well, I want a $3,000 paint allowance and I want a fence allowance and a carpet allowance and I want you to throw in the appliances. I don't want any of those things. I want the price, but I want to be able to remove the paint allowance. I want to remove the fence allowance so they feel like they win. It's built in victories in your negotiation is what removable objections do for you. You build in victory so the customer feels like they're winning.
1: Oh my gosh. This has been a masterclass. I've had fun today, Tim. You know your craft so well. I am so pleased to have you on. Guys, did you have as much of them as I did? Frictionless. Closing and negotiating with purpose. If you go to kintsgroup.com under shop, you get the 50% off. What's the code again there, uh, Tim? Sharpen axe. Sharpen axe. Or of course, you can go to Amazon, Prime, Kindle, knock yourself out. That's fantastic. Guys. That is the Tim Kintz. You can find him on Twitter. You can find him on LinkedIn. Follow him. Tim, thank you so much, man. You were a joy to work with yeah. today. I loved everything you said. Your energy is awesome, but man, your insights are killer. Thank you. I uh, ho- we, Would you come back to the show if, we, if you bring you back? Maybe we talk about some more stuff in the in, in the book? It was an honor to be here, and I'll
2: come back anytime you want. I got a new leadership book I'm it. writing as we speak.
1: Okay, so we'll have you back for that because that's going to be killer. Even though the show doesn't talk about leadership, damn it, we'll make an exception for you because you're just so much fun to talk to. Guys, <laughs> we're out of time, but I had a great time. I hope you did too. Tim Kins, he is with the Kins Group, check him out. I'm Daryl Prale. sometimes with Vanilla Soft, but every day I'm your host here on the Inside, Inside Sales Show. You take care, we'll talk to you soon, bye-bye.
0: You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. Hosted by Daryl Prail, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every other week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio Channel. Sponsored
2: by VanillaSoft.